Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, Physicians for You Victims Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, October 23rd, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at page XXX, the fifth paragraph down, which begins all these and many others. Today's readers are Michelle K. on the 12 Steps, Janice M. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Susie K., Anita J., and Elaine B. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, October 22nd, is 6974. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Michelle Kay to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Thank you. This is Michelle Kay, full of gratitude this morning for everybody out there on the line. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Michelle Kay. 
And Janice M., would you read the 12 traditions for us? Yes. Thank you, Kathy Kay. My name is um, Janice M. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Janice. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share in what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meet, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXX, paragraph 5, which begins all these and many others. And I will ask Susie Kay to read the, the first two paragraphs. Good morning. Can you hear me, Kathy? Yes, I can. Oh, good, good. 
Susie K. here, compulsive, uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Maine. All these and many others have one, have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomena of craving. This phenomena, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. Much has been written pro and con, but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. So um, I, um, I am very grateful this morning that I have found a solution to my problem. Um, to um, to the um, to those foods that I'm addicted to, I um, first have had to identify what they are, and then I had to separate myself from them, um, from sugar, from flour, from um, things containing those ingredients, and um, uh, I have to be entirely abstinent in order to be free from them. And um, again, I'm really grateful that I have found a spiritual solution to my problem, which I need as a chronic overeater. Um, um, you know, when Silkworth wrote this, um, there was no, um, you know, there, there was only the medical solution. And the medical solution does not work for me. Um, I need a spiritual solution. I am a low-bottom compulsive overeater, and um, what Silkworth had to offer um, is uh, just won't work for me. I need a spiritual solution. Um, so I'm happy to say that I don't feel I'm doomed today. Um, that I'm I'm glad to be surrounded by by all of you, and that and, and that we have. Um, we have what OA has to offer and what the steps in this big book have to offer, um, that we don't have to be doomed, um, that um, we can find a way out of our addiction. Um, and um, I'm so so glad for that. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Susie Kay. Who would like to share on these two paragraphs? Sylvia. Elaine. This is Paula. May I share? Okay, I heard Sylvia, Elaine, and then Paula. Okay, let's go in that order. Please start, Sylvia. Hi, this is Sylvia. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in upstate New York and so glad to be back on the line. Such a powerful paragraph, you know, that we have one symptom in common. So that that's the grace of this program is coming in and what I remember the relief of coming in and discovering that I had this phenomenon of craving because I didn't know what I had. All I knew was that if I started eating, I couldn't stop and I couldn't stay stopped. And so when I learned that I had this uh, manifestation of an allergy, which sets me apart, and I could understand what the allergy is. And for me, the allergy was simply an abnormal reaction to certain foods. And as part of my recovery, I think that this in this the important part is that I could lose that self judgment and that self loathing 
over why can't I control this and why can everybody else control it and realize that that this this was beyond me and that there was a solution. Because over over a lot of years I figured out what what will trigger the the actual um, phenomenon of craving in terms of the allergy. What's amazing to me in my recovery is that it is easy, pretty easy now, to not pick up those foods. Sometimes they'll talk to me. And when they talk to me, all I have to use that is, is a barometer of my spiritual fitness. It means that my brain has a problem because it's the, the obsession of the mind and that it is looking for that substance to pick up and so if I don't want to set off that allergy, I have to go back and work my program, reconnect to God, and, um, and deal with my mind. So what I love about being recovered now is that I don't have to judge myself. I can simply use that as information of if I'm walking down an aisle and I'm looking in a bakery case, or something, you know, or I'm, I'm diverting towards the chip aisle, all I have to do now is, like early on, go, what's going on, and deal with it right then. Usually it starts with a call to my sponsor, because I need to not set off the allergy in the first place. And it's a freedom that I've never known before. Uh, I, I am in a high-stress time. I'm actually running for a political office right now. And it is ample opportunity to be crazy. I have been so grateful for this program every day that I'm doing this in recovery. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Elaine, please go ahead. Press star one to unmute, Elaine. Thank you, Kathy, very much. Thanks for your service. and. Welcome to everybody out on the line, especially um, especially newcomers. Um, I'm going to zone in on the sentence that uh, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. <laughs> I've seen that debate um, happen over and over and um i just i i love the words in this book the the writing is just phenomenal and i looked up um precipitate which is like rushing headlong very suddenly abruptly impetuous headstrong and seething is uh uh boiling or to be violently agitated or disturbed and when i looked up cauldron it's also violently agitated condition like the contents of a hot um, cauldron. And so, yeah, this whole discussion about entire abstinence, I think is one of the most common topics, one of the most common questions I hear on the after meeting, do I have to be abstinent? How could I possibly stay abstinent? Do I need to be abstinent to work the steps? Do I need to put down the food? Can I work the steps and stay, you know, where I pick up, you know, just, a little here and a little there, and I don't gain weight, and it's okay, and extra bites and licks and taste, and, you know, am I still abstinent? Am I still working my program? Am I still okay? Am I okay with God? One of the things my sponsor always says to me is, 
you know, you may do something and think you're okay and then do something and think you're okay and then all of a sudden you're not. <laughs> and um, another another thing I hear often uh, at at my my home face-to-face meeting is, if you ever resent me, you may not eat over it today, you may not eat over it tomorrow, but you will eat over it. And so the simple solution that's found in this book, we'll talk about the solution in the next paragraph that we read, is for me, I've ceased fighting anything and everyone. I am not in the debating society. So I don't want to get into frothy emotional appeal or violently agitated or disturbed when I talk about the question of abstinence. What I know for me is that this book seems to clearly state that I need to put the food down. And when I put the food down and worked all the other instructions that are very clear in this book, I entered into a place of peace and sanity. And when I was agitated, even violently so, which is a lot more rare these days, I know what to do with it. I don't have to fight. I have tools I can pick up so I don't need over-resentments. I have other things I can do, just as was previously shared. If the food starts shining to me, something's going on. And now I have tools that I can use instead of, you know, starting the the um, monkey jungle in my head, uh, you know, thinking about the food, should I have the food, maybe if I have the food, maybe if I do it this way, maybe if I do it that way, maybe if I stand on my head, maybe if I, you know, maybe if I tell my sponsor, it'll be okay. Um, No, we cease fighting anything or anyone, and this was a fight that I had to give up, that entire abstinence um, has to be the foundation of my solution. And if it is, as my sponsor always says to me, if I do if I stay abstinent and do what I'm doing today with my food and continue to work the steps, I never have to eat like that again. I never have to live like I did when I was controlled and ruled by the food in a body that was over 100 pounds, moving quickly towards a diabetic diagnosis, and so much restless, irritable, and discontent that my fingers were pointing at everybody around me, never seeing the three pointing back at me never happy in my relationships, never feeling confident in my workplace, never feeling peace, joy, or serenity, which now the Big Book promises will know serenity. (laughs) And so with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elaine. And Paula, please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, and this would be Paula. I am a compulsive eater. Today, recovered. You know, I want to start, and I will right at the beginning where it said all, all these. She says, is there no exception here? All these. But who are all these? Take one step back. These are those people that, these are us. There are, then there are the types of entirely normal in every respect, except in the effect that alcohol has upon them. They are often able, intelligent, friendly people. Can't we stop there? Can't we just stop there? Oh, no, not if you have this disease. All these and many others have one symptom in common. This is it. This is the grave nature of this disease, and I think the word grave is very appropriately said here. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon. What's a phenomenon of craving? That phenomenon of observing. You think I didn't know? Could I fool myself? Oh, self, this isn't going to happen this time. Every time. 
And you may say, well, it didn't happen that day. Oh, no. It ambushed me maybe the next day. But that it did. And then it goes on. Again, the same word. This phenomenon. Another observation. As we have suggested, maybe the manifestation, ah, here it comes together, of an allergy which differentiates. This is what sets us apart. This is not what I wanted. But this is the truth. And until I could see the truth, I would stay right where I was. And it wasn't a place I wanted to be. And sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been. Whoa, this is really some strong words here. I wasn't the exception to the rule that I thought I should be or could be or would be. No. By any treatment which we are familiar, permanently eradicated, never could take it away. Lord knows I try treatments, many things, but permanently, no. And I'd like to end right where it ends here, and I know it continues on. The only relief we have to suggest, they have a suggestion. May I say a rather strong one, his entire abstinence. Thank you for allowing me to share on this beautiful reading and the truth of it. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Sharon. I heard um, Bella and I think Sharon, is that right? Yes. And somebody else? Barbara. Leah. Barbara, Kim, and Leah. Okay. Um, Please go ahead, Bella. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. The general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. Yes, before program, I was doomed. Yes, I believe that I was doomed. I believe that the whole entire world believed that I am doomed. And I acted like a doomed person because I am, I was, I was a people pleaser. I wanted to be sure that I am accepted by the whole entire world. And I wanted so much to be loved by everybody that I wanted to be sure that I am perfect. I am not doing any mistakes. I know everything all the time, and I know all the answers. And, yes, I was doomed because... It's impossible. It's, there is no such a thing. Nobody as human knows and, and is perfect. Now, thank God, thank God that I am in the program. I am not a people pleaser anymore. I am connected to an accepted power. Yes, I am connected to God. I am not connected to my ego. Yes, I accept and admit that I am human. And I I am not perfect. Yes, I have all the time opportunities to learn, to learn other ways, to learn other things, and to change my behaviors, to change my beliefs if they are wrong. Today, I am connected to God. Today, I know that my goal is to do service, to do to 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 give over the message that God has for me. Today I don't 
need to be to get any approval from other people. Today, I live feel free. I know that I am here because God wants me to 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 be. I today I know that I am a unique child of God. Today, thank you, God. I am not afraid to say my opinion, and it's okay if you don't agree with it. It's okay. Everybody can have his own opinion, his own way of thinking. It's okay. I am unique daughter of God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Sharon, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Okay, thanks. This is uh, Sharon H., uh, Recovered Compulsive uh, Overeater in Colorado. And I'm just so grateful to be going through these um, pages again. Um, and this, these two paragraphs were the ones that I had not been able to accept as being the truth. And now I see them as what they are. They are facts. They're based in truth and reality. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing this phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy, which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It is never banned by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And that's what I struggled with for so many years because I didn't believe these facts to the core of my being. I didn't believe I had a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it came to the food. And so no matter what I was doing, trying to follow the steps, work the steps, be abstinent, be not abstinent, I was never in a place of being set free because I was not accepting the facts as they are stated so clearly in this paragraph. And since coming and listening to this, and, you know, I began when this, in July of 2012, this was the chapter they were in, the doctor's opinion. Um, I don't know, it just, uh, God shined that laser beam of light into my uh, darkened mind and allowed me to see the absolute truth of these words. And as a result of that, I began to follow this program just like it's laid out in this book. And today I am set free, and I do not have to keep going back and convincing myself that this time it will be different. I must be diligent today, which I wasn't before. I did the steps four through nine many, many, many times, but I did not stay committed to the degree that we must to um, experience that relief of entire abstinence by living diligently in steps 10, 11, and 12. Because for me, the mind, the obsession of the mind is still there. Those old things that God is removing. Every time I do a 10-step and look at myself honestly, I'm able to see what I need to do to stay uh, abstinent, to be of service to others, and to develop even a deeper relationship with um, God as I understand God today. So that's available to all of us, and I'm just so grateful um, for this program and to be uh, a part of it 
and for everyone that just touches my heart every single day, and, and I love when I hear the definitions of new words. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Sharon. Barbara, please go ahead. Thank you. This is Barbara, Recovery Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. And I'm looking this morning at, again, the physical aspect with triggering the phenomenon of craving. And as the paragraph says, you know, we cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. And the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Well, Part of that for me with step one, when I'm clearly powerless over food, is a realization that came, you know, with the sponsor along in program when she said, you know, it's not just the sugar, it's not just the flour, it's not just certain things. What I'm suggesting is that you come from the base of saying, I am addicted to the act of overeating. I'm powerless over eating anything. So for me, a quantity can be the trigger for a phenomenon of craving, a quantity of a seemingly innocent type of food. That was a key for me in my ability to commit and sustain entire abstinence. And knowing that that's really just the launching pad, as it says in some of the AA literature, it's a launching pad. The abstinence gets me into the steps, clears that brain, gets me into this state of the physical rehabilitation so I can, as it says in this doctor's opinion, understand and accept the 12-step way of life and, and the working of the program as the book develops it. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And Kim, please go ahead. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The seething cauldron of debate. You know, what they were referring to back in the 30s is there was something called a temperance society for alcoholics because the belief was not that these guys, the problem is that they drink. The problem is they get drunk. And if we can teach them to drink moderately, then the problem will go away because the problem is they're drunk. Doesn't that sound kind of similar to like a lot of conventional diet programs? You know, if you count points and you count calories, the problem isn't that you eat. The problem is that you overeat. You know, and unfortunately, we even see that in food rehabs today, where they get the people, you know, unstable, and then they ask them to introduce a slice of this or a sliver of that and learn to eat it moderately. So that was the seizing cauldron of debate they were talking about. But you have to say, Overeaters Anonymous is only one of 18 food 12-step programs. And why is that? Why do we have to have, or why are there 18 food step programs? Because we have this seething cauldron of debate about what abstinence is. What is abstinence? And we're fighting over that. And it's very clear in the big book, it's very clear in this chapter, is what is abstinence? Abstinence is abstaining from those foods and those food behaviors that create the phenomenon of craving, period. And we might have different ones. I'm hearing people talk about their specific um, foods and behaviors that create the phenomenon of cravings. That's true for them. It may not be true for me. But what we need to be united on is whatever that is for each individual, we are only abstinent if we are refraining 100% from those foods and those food behaviors that are creating the phenomenon of cravings. And one of the things that I find that is very confusing is that people think 
that a food plan and abstinence are the same thing. And they are not. Abstinence has to do with are you abstaining 100% from those foods and those food behaviors that create the phenomenon of craving. Abstinence is black and white. If you are abstaining, you are abstinent. If you are partaking in any of the foods or food behaviors that you are um, create the phenomenon of craving, then you're not abstinent. Now, what is a food plan? A food plan is those boundaries and limitations around the foods that you do eat. And that's going to change. It's going to change if we're pregnant. I just found out I'm postmenopausal last week, so I might have to change things in my food plan. But if we're working nights, and we, then we change the day work. But if we're training for a marathon, and then we get a job working 12 hours a day in front of a, a computer. Our food plan is going to change over our lifetime. What is not going to change is our abstinence. Because once a food creates the phenomenon of craving, we can never have that food again. Once we recognize a behavior creates that food, that, that phenomenon of craving, we cannot participate in that behavior ever again. That is what we need to be united on. That is what this big book is talking about. And the cauldron of debate of what food plan are you on and, you know, do you fit into this category works against us. I want you to 100% abstain from those foods that create the phenomenon of craving in you because I want you to be able to do that so that you can work the steps. It does not need to agree or align with what my abstinence is. But if we don't get clear on the difference between abstinence and a food plan, we're confusing the newcomer. We're confusing the newcomer. So let's all get united on what this paragraph is saying. Entire abstinence is abstaining from those foods and those food behaviors that create the phenomenon of craving in each individual. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And Leah, please go ahead. Thanks so much, Kathy. Good morning, everybody. Leah M. Recovered. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. And, of course, it goes on and says the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Um, you know, no one attends uh, AA thinking that he or she is going to continue drinking while working the steps. You stop drinking and you do anything in order to do so, so that you can uh, apply these steps to your life. You know, what about us in in OA? <laughs> is that OA's message that we stop compulsive overeating? Uh, do anything to stop compulsive eating so that we can apply these steps to our lives? Uh, per, perhaps that has not been the message. We have to stop the craving. And, of course, in the context of the big book, the only way an alcoholic can crave alcohol is to first put it in his system, then he develops the phenomenon of craving, and then he can't stop, and he ends up getting drunk and sick, etc. So, you know, obviously when you and I as compulsive overeaters crawl our way into our OA meetings, um, you know, it is more complicated to, uh, to identify those binge foods because uh, it is an individual matter. However, it is a task that needs to be done. You know, we we first 
uh, have to recognize we have this physical allergy. I had to realize that I am bodily different, bodily and mentally different from uh, people, most people pertaining food, and I have to refrain. I had to refrain from compulsive overeating. I had to be in a state of food sobriety. I had to be as sober from food, with food, as an alcoholic is with alcohol. And there could be no compromises, no middle ground. Otherwise, I would trigger the phenomenon of craving, and of course, I'd be doomed uh, to continue that cycle. So I had to identify uh, those foods. I had to abstain from those individual binge foods. I started by asking myself, you know, a simple question. What are the foods that I constantly overeat when I have the chance to eat them? You know, and I have to go further than that. You know, what are the common ingredients when I looked and reviewed the foods that I would binge on? And that list was long for me. You know, which foods would I run to first for comfort? Which foods uh, did I try repeatedly to control? Which foods were a substitute for the foods that I really wanted? You know, which foods did I constantly try to negotiate? And, of course, binge eating behaviors, volume was a big one for me. Those were things that had to be identified, and I had to be completely abstinent from that. The doctor's opinion, of course, we've been studying it. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol, use trigger foods in any form at all, right? So I entirely abstain from those foods that trigger me physically. For me, any amount of those binge foods in my body was like taking a match and throwing it into a bucket of gasoline. Whoosh! I can't safely eat them or use them in any form at all. And that was in true when I began this recovery process in 87, and it's true today in 2014, and additional foods have been added. Now, of course, I have a second problem, and that's the mental obsession, and what do we do about that? That's what the rest of the steps are for, but first, we have to stop compulsively overeating. We have to uh, have entire abstinence, and with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And I'd like to just make one more comment uh, to this wonderful set of shares. It's Kathy, a recovered compulsive overeater. To the newcomer, I want to say that um, finding your own definition of abstinence is a very, very critical part of step one. And, you know, for years I've looked uh, to different food programs for my food plan, Um And it wasn't until I actually uh, did the work of step one and my sponsor asked me to identify those foods I can safely eat, those foods I absolutely can't eat, and those foods that um, may be troublesome and I ought to keep an eye on them. Um, And then to work with a nutritionist to figure out the plan of eating that would stay within the, the boundaries of what I identified and prevent me from uh, any kind of compulsive behavior around eating. So it's such a critical step um, in getting going on the step work that we're committed to here. And um, uh, with the help of a sponsor and fellow travelers, it can become the mainstay of our sobriety. Okay, I'm going to ask now that Anita J. read the next two paragraphs, please. 
down to where it says, with no return to alcohol. Anita, are you there? Press star one. Uh, let's see. Anita, I guess you're having trouble with your phone. Uh, how about Elaine B? Can you read for us, Elaine? Can you hear me? Yes. There's some yes, issue Kathy. with star one, Kathy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Kathy, can you hear can you hear me now? Oh yeah, Elaine, that's great. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. Up. Please go ahead. Would Where you am I be, reading from? Would you be able to read because Anita can't get unmuted? Sure. And where am I starting? Uh, Kathy. Oh, is that Anita? I'm so sorry. I I don't know what's going on with my phone, but it's not going to make me eat. Is it too late? No, go ahead, Anita, and thank All you. All right. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm powerless over everything, including my cell phone. Um, others are having trouble, too, so don't worry. Um, this is Anita J. Recovered. This was a test. I'm still recovered. Compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Grateful to break through here and say and uh, read these paragraphs. What is the solution? Perhaps I can best answer this by relating one of my experiences. About one year prior to this experience, a man was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had but partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. You know, I think a person has to buy into this, buy in that as a compulsive overeater, we are as seriously sick as this man. and. That never happened until January of 2014 when I was led to this vision for you, right when we were reading the doctor's opinion. And by the time we finished the doctor's opinion for the first time, I knew, I knew that I was hopeless. There's nothing I could do about that first bite, nothing. And so this time, now recovered, thank you, God, uh, 
I buy in totally. I feel, am I kidding here? Pathological mental deterioration. Isn't that what I was afraid of my whole life? Something was wrong with me. In college, I took abnormal psych as a freshman. They, they don't like freshmen to take it, but I fooled them. I told them how mature I was. They bought in. And I was trying to find out what was wrong with me. I was looking in the wrong bookstore. Um, and he had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, one might say, to drink. And I thought, well, I haven't lost everything, but you know, I had. I had, I had dreams based on what? It's like a fantasy, the, the movies, so whatever. It was all based on they were gone. They were gone because it wasn't happening. The players in my life were not performing. And um, so I can see now, I buy in that my soul, my soul had lost everything. And that I couldn't wait every night when I finally had some peace and quiet to eat, to eat. My husband would say, are you coming up? I will in a while, says I. I mean, I am this person. I am. And I am changing. It's just a, I wanted to say one thing, and that is this food plan I'm on is the slowest for weight loss because that's not the point anymore. Of course I'm losing. I need to keep losing. But for the first time in my life, I realized something. I am comfortable inside my own skin. My God. I could be a slim as a, you know, a size 8 or a 10 or whatever it was at one point. I still wasn't good enough. I wasn't good enough. And now I know I'm a child of God. I hope people are really listening to this doctor's opinion. I want everybody to feel this way. We're supposed to feel this way. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita. Um, before we go forward, I just want to tell people, if you're having trouble unmuting, the best thing you can do is hang up and dial in again. And that suggestion came from Melanie, who's our technical consultant on this line. Thank you, Melanie. Okay, who would like to share? This is Larry. Monica. Okay, Larry and then Monica. Go ahead, Larry. Good morning, Kathy. Uh, Larry Kay from Chicago, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I'll just share briefly on this that, um, you know, what we read here is um, what strikes me so specifically is the change. You know, this whole program is about change. And, and here was a guy that you know, was was so dramatically um, enslaved and imprisoned by, by his disease. And then, you know, through a process of action, because this program is a process of action, right? It's not a, pro- it's not a program or a process of, um, of, you know, assimilation and contemplation and uh, thinking about it. Those are all good. Those are all great things. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you're going to have a change, like this guy had a change, where Dr. Silkworth couldn't even recognize this guy anymore. Um, people couldn't recognize me, the people that knew me. And it wasn't just the physical. 
that that that's the least of it. Sure, that's the stuff that you know people notice that your physical packaging they notice. But it's the it's the person. It's deep down in your soul. How have you changed in terms of your integrity and like someone was saying, feeling comfortable in their own skin, perhaps for the first time? Of course you're gonna to present to the world a different person and people are gonna notice that. People might not even recognize. I went from this trembling overachieving, you know, uh, man who um, looked good on paper but but knew that he was fraudulent and knew he was wearing a mask at every turn to this man that, you know, that I'm more congruent today. And that's what Dr. Silkworth saw in this guy. And that's what this this practical program of action will do for you is it will do the same thing for me. I'm nothing special. It'll change you sufficient to arrest this disease and to allow you to be all that God intended you to be. Whatever the God is of your own understanding, it doesn't matter. So, very grateful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. It saved my life. But that'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And Monica, please go ahead. Press star one, Monica, to unmute. Hi, this is Monica. Good morning. And I am a recovered. Good morning, Kathy. Thank you. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was just blabbing away. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is the solution? A solution is an action or a process of solving a problem. And they're going to tell us in this little paragraph what the solution is. This guy came in a mask. We lost you, Monica. Press star one again. Can you again. hear me? Can okay. you hear me now? Can yeah. you hear me now? Okay. Yeah. All right. So what is the solution? You know, he accepted the plan outlined in this book. And that's the twa- the steps. He worked the steps. And what happened as a result of him accepting the solution? And he did more than accept it, obviously. He worked it. One year later, he comes back to see doctor to the doctor. And I just love this picture from a trembling, fearing, shaking, despairing, without hope nervous wreck had emerged, had appeared, a man brimming over, overflowing with self-reliance, dependence made on one's judgments and contentment, satisfaction. What a transformation, like Larry said, a change. What a change, a transformation from what he was up above. Can you just picture him before? You know, here's this shaking, uh, probably dirty, unkept, um, just a mess standing there before you. And as a result of doing the steps, doing the work, taking the actions, here is this guy, bright-eyed, shining eyes, clean, brimming over with, with, you know, just radiating joy, contentment. Wow. Wow. I wanted that. I wanted that because I was like him too. 
And as a result of working the steps, you too can have this transformation, this change. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. We have time for one or two more shares. Who would like to share? Chelsea. This is Chelsea. Sally. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Jackie and... Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea. I'm sorry. Chelsea and Sally. Okay, Chelsea, go ahead. Thanks. Thanks for your service, Kathy. I'm Chelsea. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. And I want to speak to um, where it says that following the elimination of alcohol, um, they're found to be, we found no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. And that seems to be the order that they're giving to how this person found success. And it was after putting down the food. So following putting down the food, they found out that his brain wasn't so messed up that he couldn't even receive the message. And then when he accepted the plan, he did the rest of the work that it took, the rest of the steps that it required to achieve success. And the success was that he could recover from this situation of being doomed. And the only way he could have done that, and it would go back us up to that paragraph that starts all these, Entire abstinence. It's no ambiguity there. It's entire abstinence. Each person will define what that means to them, and then they'll have to stick to it. And my understanding as I continue to study not only the big book, but I also study OA's history now because I need to know how I can be of maximum service. And my understanding is that Roseanne got that term from here. She got that term abstinence. Now, why the entire part didn't come along with that is unclear, and I continue to study to find out how I can link up with my brothers and sisters that are still dealing with um, separating the true from the false. And as Kim so eloquently pointed out, she gave us this uh, history about the temperance society and how this paragraph with the uh, seething cauldron came about and how OA emulates that now in many ways. So... I am reading this information, and I am seeing that the facts, the facts are the facts, entire abstinence. So how can I, all these, it says, all these have the one symptom in common. Again, we read in the fourth, the forward to the fourth edition, how we, on page 17 it says in that uh, fourth edition, we are people who normally wouldn't mix. So we do have in different lives and stuff. Just in the paragraph above all these, it says, then these are types entirely normal in every aspect except the effect alcohol has upon them. They are often able, intelligent, friendly people. So we all have other different lives, and I think that actually kind of explains all the different sex because we have different sex that feel comfortable around each other for whatever their uh, cultural commonalities may be or their um, situational um, commonalities. But what the issue becomes is that they're not living in the reality of what the message is. So as a person who truly believes in this book and has found the solution, lives the solution, and I have experienced it, and it works, it really does, I feel as though I need to keep my truth, but I also need to be of maximum service is what the book tells me. So how can I do that? And I ask every day for my divine director to please make me be useful 
and reaching out to the next person. And that may be through a different type of channel. Of, I don't forget how many was mentioned that we have of the different types of OA, but this common solution has to be told because those are the facts. So we can bring for myself, if I can be the recovery, the facts that should be known, I will go into there. And if the book tells me, I should be able to go into any place. And that includes a, a, um OA room that is kind of tinkering around the edges of the steps. And I can be the recovery and live the recovery and show that this works, the success, after you put down the food, following the elimination of alcohol, accepting the plan outline and putting it and implementing it. And you too can come from this trembling despair of doom. I get to experience it. I love these steps. And you can too walk away a free human being. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Chelsea. <clears throat> thank you. And now, Sally, you'll be our last share. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Can you hear me okay? I can, yes. Okay, thank you. Good morning. A vision for you. It's Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. And I see that we're running out of time, so I will be brief. I just really wanted to say that how how cool it is here that we see that they've had this extensive look at the problem. We've been looking at the problem, the phenomenon of craving, and now they're switching over to what is the solution at the top of the page. And they bring us to the exhibit A of what is the solution. And this man who was giving us some very key introductions to this man, chronic alcoholic, he had a gastric hemorrhage, which basically is a bleeding ulcer. He seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. Seemed is a very key word for us. You know, we seem to be hopeless, seemed doomed. This guy seemed to be pathologically mentally deteriorated. And it goes on to say he lost everything worthwhile in living. And finally, it tells us with no hope, following the elimination of alcohol, as Chelsea so beautifully shared, he, he, put the, he put his alcohol down, and then he followed this plan that was outlined, and then we see the transformation, the change. And what I think is very interesting and what I wanted to share is we go from the, from the phenomenon of craving to page 27, the vital spiritual experience that we see this man had. And twice on page 27, it, it describes this man to a T, this vital spiritual experience. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. So we have a spiritual phenomena. We went from the phenomenon of craving just before this paragraph began, and now we're in this phenomenon of a spiritual phenomenon that this man apparently had. They appear to be in nature of huge emotional displacement and rearrangement. And I won't go into it because we don't have time, but this word emotional rearrangement on 27, twice they use the word emotional rearrangements and you know to describe epi of course on the top of 13 the first word is reorganized so this man apparently who appeared or seemed to have pathological brain damage mental deterioration has had this same reorganization and um the changes that have occurred in him that are described here thanks for letting me share that with that i passed thank you sally it's now time to close the meeting <clears throat> Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 and then say the serenity prayer. Elaine B., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure, Kathy. Can you hear me? Yes. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>